welcome to this week's episode of Telling the Tale, a podcast where we take every single episode of Telltale Games' mini video game episodes and discuss them so they're not lost to time. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and I'm here today, as always, with Dustin Jackson as we cover this week's episode, which is Sam and Max Beyond Time and Space, episode 205, What's New Beelzebub. How's it going, Dustin? Um, I'm having a hell of a great time today, Mitch. How the hell are you doing today? I'm doing pretty groggy. That's not a <laughs> that's not a hell pun. That's just how I'm feeling. That's just the way things are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could not have more energy if I tried. I <laughs> I did try. And here's where <laughs> I'm at. <laughs> I think that's about all we could hope for. Uh, so, so Dustin, let me, let me tell you this. Okay. I liked the episode, but I thought it was not the best one in the season. It was just really good. I agree. I think in terms of the whole season, I'd probably say it's the second worst, but that's just because all the other episodes just set such a high bar. Like, the this whole season is pretty strong, except for Moai Better Blues. And I guess if you have to rank them, this is the one that would come after that. Um, but I still like it a lot. It, it's still a good, fun episode. I felt that's, like it that's was... That's interesting. I felt Second like... Second worst. Wow. Yeah, just in terms of this season. Like, it's still better than a lot of the first season. Um, I think the thing that stood out to me with this episode is... There weren't a whole lot of lines, like individual lines that really made me laugh, but it was a conceptually funny episode. Like there was a lot of ideas there that were really funny. Yeah, that's true. I wrote down maybe the fewest number of uh, of lines this season out of out of any episode for this episode. I, di- I didn't write down very much at all. I had um, a few, but yeah, but I, I still liked it. I still liked seeing where it was going, even if I wasn't getting like the biggest laughs of the season um yeah so there's a lot of stuff here you're totally right there's a lot of concepts (laughs) that are funny uh i I, that is how i would describe it there's a lot of uh chuckle worthy moments and things I, i i don't know how like it explosively haha funny this episode is but it does a really good job of tying together the the season in a way that it kind of had to because when you found out that all of the hypnosis stuff was hubless in the last season it in a weird way did actually make it make more sense um the actual mechanics of how hubless made his plan work are bullshit and dumb and that still doesn't make sense. But within the, the, the confines of its own universe's rules, it puts a closure on everything. Right. And in season two, you uh, we, we were talking about this as early as two episodes ago, where um, Night of the Raving Dead didn't really have much to do in the larger scheme of um, like of, of how it all comes together. But now that we've seen it all come together, I, I think 
that's just because there's not much to represent that coming together. It doesn't feel like much when it actually does happen. Yeah. Um, I agree. I do like that it all comes together in hell. I, I like the yeah. big, uh, big twist of this episode. There is something... Uh, the big twist of this episode is something that uh really pulls together both season 1 and 2 kind of that's that's true i i i think that something that brings this uh this episode down for me is that chariots of the dogs feels a lot more like the um I don't know. It, it feels much more like the explanation for what's been happening in all three of the previous episodes. It, it brings the season together a lot. And then it just opens up this one other door. Just, like, one other door. It, it doesn't tie everything together. It's just one more mystery of where are these souls going. And it does answer that. But it doesn't... It, I, that, that, like, isn't attached to more things. Yeah. I get it's where you're coming from. It's just like uh, it's it's all it's almost more of a um, in terms of solving the mystery. It's almost more like a victory lap than the actual climax of the mystery. Yeah, um, and that that feels weird to me for some reason from a storytelling uh, pacing perspective. Even with the twist at the end of the episode, which I guess we'll just say it right now. It turns out that the soda poppers have been behind everything. <laughs> they've <laughs> they've been the big bad the whole time, ever since episode two, where you didn't celebrate their birthday and the mariachis didn't play. They were extremely mad at you for that. And they've been harboring a deep-seated hatred um, just the whole time. Yeah, I mean, uh, can you really blame them? <laughs> Yeah. Tim and Max were uh <laughs> Yes, I can. It that doesn't make any sense. They should why would they even know about the mariachis at that point? Um That's a good question. Maybe they just uh knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I guess they, they are time did. traveling, so maybe in <laughs> uh retroactively every birthday by every person in the world has been celebrated by the mariachis. That's true. Didn't the wasn't there something about the mariachis making it so people don't remember, so they can do it every year or something? Um. Yeah, there was. I what was that? Was it like? I I don't think they did anything supernatural to their memory. I think they, the way I remember it from last episode, which was only a couple days ago. I can't believe I'm already reaching for yeah. details. <laughs> I was uh, just thinking the same. We just. So, for those listening, we played episode 5 a couple days after episode 4, because we just couldn't contain ourselves. We just had to see what was happening to Sam and Max. But I, <laughs> I, I do not remember why people don't remember the mariachis. I think they just said it's not that big of a deal, so they don't, like, <laughs> <laughs> they don't log it in their long-term memory for that long. <laughs> I guess um, that's true. That's a good enough explanation. Yeah, they they say it needs to be a big deal, but not that big of a deal so that you remember it for more than like a year. 
And then you see the mariachis again on your birthday again. Um, so on the soda popper's birthday, because you're, um, you're interfering with embarrassing idol in the last episode, um, preempted the mariachis being able to play for the soda poppers in that time period. They didn't get a happy birthday song, which means that they had, I guess, the worst birthday of all time because every (laughs) other birthday ever has had a mariachi time traveler alien come to play some songs. And they just didn't get one. The soda poppers themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So that's that's a weird motive. Um, yeah, but, but you know what? Sam and Max have fucked with these guys a lot over the course of the last couple seasons, so I can kind of get it. <laughs> they have, but also that most of the time they were fucking with them has been when they were trying to do evil stuff. That's so true. It, we find out in this episode that all of the things they've done in the past have been for nefarious purposes. At the time, yeah. it doesn't so, really like, like why did they the Dakotas. It's weird that they started hating Sam and Max already. When, yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially since they had just helped them in the first episode. They were helping the soda poppers in the first episode. And they returned the favor by killing Brady Culture, we find out. Yeah, and everyone loved that. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Thanks, soda um, poppers. <laughs> so... I kind of don't buy the soda poppers motive, which I think is fine because it's supposed to be like just wacky, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also so- sort of don't buy that they've been doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like the entirety of their plan is resolved in chariots of the dogs. We just don't know it's soda poppers yet. That's and true. everything that they've been doing so far can be explained by all of these other people that have done stuff. So, like, really, what what are they doing? What what is <laughs> what is the the bad thing that they've done for so uh, for so many months now? Yeah, I mean, I guess they worked their way up. They made their way up to uh, hell. The only thing I remember that actually did seem like it was the soda poppers doing was in ice station santa when the shambling corporate pres- uh, presence demon gets mailed to santa claus mm-hmm. that was from lower manitoba on the box which is north dakota which is where the soda poppers are um that was them what else <laughs> <laughs> was them uh was anything else them and then like they just did that one thing and then they acted like and everything you fought so far has been us um they didn't do other things well at the end of the episode they kind of explain what they've been doing obviously just retroactively making it so the soda poppers were behind him uh i should have written down exactly what they said but i didn't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, I, I I feel like maybe I, I need to watch that scene again, because as they were explaining it, I I remember just getting more frustrated, being like, wait, but, but 
<laughs> Mitch was but you red didn't in the do face. Anything. <laughs> Mitch was red in the face. I've had it with these soda poppers. <laughs> <laughs> I I guess I guess it does make you appropriately mad at the soda poppers because for, for 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 a different reason though than I think is expected because I was just watching them explain and we've been bad the whole time and I'm like I don't f- believe you like <laughs> I don't remember anything that you've done uh but yeah that's you know what that's modern medicine for you that's just <laughs> that's how true. it goes <laughs> yeah um oh boy I know uh in the uh <laughs> I think this is where I got it from. It's been a long time, but I think in the commentary on the season two DVD for the original release of this season, um, they mention that the reason they made the soda poppers the main villains was because everyone on the Telltale forums hated them so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember hearing about that, too. And uh, that is pretty good. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's great. All, I mean... To be fair, I think the soda poppers make for a better villain than Satan. Yeah, I guess you could have done that approach with soda poppers or the babies on Moai Better Blues. Um, but you have that bigger connection with the soda pop. If it was the babies and Moai Better Blues, I would have been like, no, this is. <laughs> yeah, I if don't it's like just, these babies. Just Amelia Earhart. Uh, <laughs> the main I, I villain of season two. Yeah, it was Baby her the whole time. Amelia I don't know. Earhart. This isn't the last we'll be seeing Baby Amelia Earhart. Is it really not? Uh, technically, no, it's not. Okay. I don't remember seeing <laughs> Baby Amelia Earhart again, but I <laughs> I believe that it's possible. Um, yeah, so uh, let's break down the plot uh, large structure of this episode. So Act 1... You get spit out from the Bermuda Triangle that was in the uh, time-traveling Mariachi spaceship at the end of last episode underground at a place called Straight and Narrow on the River Styx. And uh, Mr. Featherly's there in your inventory and he explains, which is funny, by the way, just the way that Featherly's still around. You still have him. Yeah, he explains that... uh, this is basically the entrance to purgatory and for some reason he knows this <laughs> like he knows what it would look like um and all of the souls that you've been uh, col- or that the mariachis have been collecting so far are being sent to hell which is probably just where they would have gone anyway but it it seems like a more efficient process and efficiency yeah. becomes important to their plans, to, to Hell's plans uh, in this episode. So that would make sense. One thing I liked about this early scene, uh, Mr. Featherly is with you, but if you say one thing to him, I forget what Sam says exactly, but he says something to piss Featherly off and he's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. And he walks away and you just don't see him again. Yeah. Okay. What <laughs> was that? <laughs> I, I don't remember what that was, but uh, you're right. That was that was pretty good. Um, yeah. There's there's a sign on the wall of the River Sticks area that has the um, l- like the hierarchy of, of these planes. So at the very bottom is Hell, and then the one right above that is Straight and Narrow, where you are in the in the underground thing. And then above that is Purgatory, and above that is the Earthly Realm. So if you climb 
out of this area, you you can like there's a ladder on the side of the wall. You can climb up. You find that you you're just under your street. Your street, <laughs> the intersection of straight and narrow, is right above the straight and narrow, which is above hell. Which means that your street is not in the earthly realm. It's in purgatory. I because took it that's... as the, I took it as just you went past purgatory. But the but the, there's the, the the poster says earthly realm, then purgatory, then straight and narrow. So when you're climbing up, because they show the entrance to the the manhole both above and below, it's just mm. like a thin layer of street. Oh yeah. So there is no purgatory to climb through when you're climbing up <laughs> out of straight and narrow. So his the the street is purgatory. Wow. Who would have guessed? I don't think it matters. No. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't come up. But I, they are implying that we're not like in the earthly realm of things when we're just hanging out and doing regular stuff on the street. We're in purgatory. We're in a spiritual middle ground between life and death, which does make sense considering <laughs> the vibe of Sam and Max's stories. That that's true. Finding out that that's what purgatory is kind of brings it all together. Um, this episode's full of all sorts of twists and turns. Yeah, yeah, and that that one's a, a, a just a poster on the wall. That one's not even an important one. The music in this episode is crazy. When you're walking yeah. up on the street and just down in the subway, the music's crazy. Like. I don't know what it is they do with the music here, but this whole time I was like, this music is a little over the top and I love it. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, okay, so you go back up to the street. You find out that when you set up that uh, vinegar baking soda reaction at the beginning of the last episode, you exploded the person who lives in the apartment above Bosco's which is Mama Bosco. Mama Bosco was just living there still in modern times above the store, and you killed her. So now she's a ghost. Bummer. (laughs) Um, It happens. And and in order to go to hell, uh, to to take the soul train to the place that you need to go from the straight and narrow, you need a token that is given to you when you die. And Sam and Max don't have one because they didn't die. And Mama Bosco lost hers in the uh, in the explosion, so it's still up in her room. So you can get that, and then use that token to go to hell. And so that's Act One. At that point, it does the title sequence, and it says that this episode is also known as Sam and Max Meet the Father of Lies. I forget if I've mentioned it or not at this point, but I love the opening for these episodes. It's re- yeah, it's it's really good. It, it's very uh, 1960s pulpy TV opening. Mm-hmm. The visuals and the music just come together to make something oh so special. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, what do you think about the fact that you killed Mama Bosco? Uh, I think it's fine. You you didn't know Sam and Max didn't like know they were gonna <laughs> kill Mama Bosco. Yeah, I. I <laughs> it's the fact is, before this, it. she was before this, she wasn't even a character. So the fact that she's dead now, it's like, oh, okay. Well, we didn't even know you were alive. So, yeah. Um, 
We also find out this episode that the reason Bosco has been so paranoid the whole time is because Mama Bosco hired someone to find the person that wrecked her store in the 60s, which was adult Bosco. So Flint Paper, for the last 40 years, has been tracking down Bosco and watching him all the time. And as a a result of that, Bosco has developed a very fairly acquired sense of paranoia just (laughs) all the time. And uh, (laughs) it it turns out that it was a big misunderstanding. Mama Bosco didn't mean to send uh, Flint Paper after her own son. But when they find that out, Bosco does not take it well. He He's like, that. that's my whole life. That's my entire <laughs> personality has been about running away from the people watching me. And it's just been you the whole time, just because of a misunderstanding. And he, he does get over it pretty fast. <laughs> he gets over it pretty fast. But like you can tell something, something cracked. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something cracked in the back of his mind when he found that out. That, Bosco's that's a pretty sim- deep... Bosco's a pretty sympathetic character when you think about it. It turns out, like, this has all been justified for. He had a reason to be paranoid, and then it turns out it was over nothing. Yeah, another justified character is that we find out this episode that Girl Stinky, whose personality up to this point has been defined by lying to make herself seem cooler, has literally never lied about anything. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she just didn't know. She said Specs told her the answers for that uh, first episode quiz. Yeah, the trivia thing. She she got bad answers, but everything else, she, she's been a hundred percent honest with. <laughs> yeah, she she did not. We also find out she did not kill Grandpa Stinky. Yeah, she didn't. Um, what there is a twist with her though, which is probably <laughs> my favorite twist in the episode. Speaking of things that don't make that much sense, but are fine. Yeah, uh, so Stinky, Grandpa Stinky, the original Stinky, O-Jinky. (laughs) O-Jinky is a good name. He's not just a chef. He is a chef of the culinary dark arts, uh, which he says a few times before this point, but it never means anything. (laughs) Um... (laughs) He's he's just a, a a master of the dark arts in culinary fashion. But he explains what it means this time uh, by uttering the phrase cake of the damned. Girl Stinky turns back into her true form, which is a cake. Uh, she, she was a cake. Grandpa Stinky made her as a cake and then he raised her and taught her right from wrong as a cake. <laughs> uh, and that's how that happened. That's just the way things have been. It's it's funny that uh, he says he's a chef of the culinary dark arts. All he did was make a person. That's not that bad. It's not even someone he really likes or gets any use out of. <laughs> I would argue that this is an extreme dark art as opposed to <laughs> everything else that happens in the culinary world. <laughs> this is a, a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> That from from making a cake to making a person, I would say that this is maybe as dark as you go. That that's that is a big jump. I'm just saying, like it's not like it's not like either Stinky does anything that malicious with uh, this whole setup. Girl Stinky is not a dangerous. 
Um, She's well, just I w- a cake. <laughs> I want to come back to this because it's related to something that happens later in the episode. But you, you take the soul train down to hell and you try to get a meeting with Satan. But he's just a like a really busy office guy. Hell turns out to be a bureaucratic white collar office. It's uh, funny because this exact same setup, hell being like a, a business and an office job, uh, that is the exact same premise of a show on Adult Swim called Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. It's like exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's also the premise of The Good Place on NBC. It's also like taking a vaguely abstract spiritual concept and reskinning it as a Western um boring white collar office job is um uh, in a in a lot of stuff it's the plot of Pixar's inside out although that's not hell that's like your your psyche uh mm-hmm. it's in a lot of different stuff it's in that one episode of SpongeBob where he needs to forget about everything except fine dining and breathing i got nothing on a name <laughs> um yeah, that's it's just like a a really really common trope. Uh and I feel like if it were done nowadays it would feel a little more uh cliché, but at the time of Sam and Max I felt like I felt like it was new. I feel like that was one of the first things I had experienced with that sort of idea, at least for hell. Yeah, I I suppose so. It's probably it, it it's probably uh before the big explosion of it i think the show the office made people um much more want to work in that narrative area mm-hmm. and that that probably helped it become a, a really popular thing i would say that if you did it now i you can't get away from the good place the good place has become such a popular show um mm-hmm. and it was like so big for the time that it was on tv that it, it's probably it it probably owns that trope now i don't think you could do it again without eliciting comparisons to the good place yeah i'm glad you, sam and max got it that? out i haven't i've heard you, of it though you gotta see it i think you'd like it thank you <laughs> it was a compliment <laughs> I, guess. I don't know why i thanked you for that <laughs> uh sorry what were you gonna say i wasn't gonna say okay um so the people that work in hell under satan are pretty much everyone who's ever been a villain in all 11 episodes that we've played so far um you got hugh bliss you got jurgen who's the receptionist you've got the shambling corporate presence who's uh when it was mailed to satan really changed some stuff around in hell uh the shambling corporate presence made it that's why it's an office thing um that demon sort of just redesigned all of hell in its own image and now it needs to work at a higher level of efficiency which is what they've been doing um brady culture is there mr spatula the fish oh i don't know i don't know why when i saw uh brady culture i was like hey look who it is i hate i hated brady culture in that episode (laughs) but i was excited to see him because it had just been so long yeah it's been 10 episodes since we've seen brady culture i was like i remember you from the other one uh mr spatula the fish is in the water cooler 
Um, of course, the soda poppers, it turns out, they're Satan's boss. Um, but Chuckles oh. sometimes walks back and forth in the background. Don't forget uh, Harry Molman. Harry Molman, of course, is uh, the new Grim Reaper. <laughs> and there's a sign by uh, for another cubicle that you don't get to see by the Shambling Corporate Presence's cubicle for Moo Moo Man. Um, is Moo Moo Man from the comics? Maybe. Moo Moo Man is outside of my Sam and Max knowledge. I need to look it up again. It yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> there's something called Moo Moo Man. Uh, in, <laughs> this is, I'm going to look it up right now. This is what we're okay. doing. Okay. I hope you find results. Wouldn't Sorry, it be crazy? It, it's, it was not, just... it's not Moo Moo Man. It's Moo Hoo Man. Oh, okay. Um. So here's a here's a telltale uh, dot com forum post that says I'm not sure if this has been discussed before as a cur- uh, cursory Google search only turned up hopes for a Moo Man appearance on these forums, but I found a tombstone in Night of the Raving Dead that uh next to the sombrero tombstones which says Moo Man 1972 to 1978 peace at last i don't know who Moo Man is i don't get the reference at all but i figure someone will take solace in this discovery considering all the hopes and speculation about it if this has been posted before i apologize and then jake from telltale i don't know jake's last name um but they they have the telltale alumni uh, forum badge says muhu man can be found here and i <laughs> i uh, found the same page i've been looking at it i clicked the links both are page not found yeah so uh-oh <laughs> but jake uh, later on in the thread says muhu man isn't legendary outside some in-jokes in the office and on these forums. He's just a weird reference to one of the first ever Sam and Max comics drawn by Steve Purcell's brother. Oh, okay. So I bet that Muhu Man is one of the few original Sam and Max characters because even Steve Purcell's take on Sam and Max is the second take on it because the characters were technically invented by his brother. Yeah. I, I wonder if there are any other characters other than Sam and Max and the Moohoo Man uh, that made it, like, <laughs> into further Sam and Max things. <laughs> I guess so, and even then, Moohoo Man is only referenced by name. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I don't know if he counts as having made it. Um, oh, I'd love to put the Moohoo Man in something. I don't know what it is. I've never, I still haven't seen it because of that page not found situation on the forums. <laughs> but uh, I, I bet he's a guy with a with a cow udder. That probably makes sense. And he wears like a cow mask on. <laughs> I bet he's dressed like uh, Smiley in the Great Cow Race. Just a crappy cow costume. Yeah. But I like it, that. But just a guy. Just like it's... a weird, creepy guy instead of <laughs> Smiley. Just a weird guy in a cow costume. Yeah, I bet that's him. He's the Moohoo Man. <laughs> Be on the lookout for the Moohoo Man. If you're out late at night after bedtime, look over your shoulder because the Moohoo Man could, behind, could be behind you. I think you phrased that wrong. Look over your shoulder because the Moohoo Man is behind you. 
Um, <laughs> he just is. In hell, you find a back room where there is a monument to Sam and Max and just walls and walls of file cabinets and little shoebox dioramas where each diorama contains the soul of someone Sam and Max killed on their adventures. Um, <laughs> and their their spirit is experiencing their own personal hell in these little shoeboxes. Um, you've, you've really been accelerating the economics of hell just by doing Sam and Max stuff. Yeah, you're really helping out. <laughs> yeah, I guess they like that. Uh, and it turns out that most of the really bad people you've killed actually just got a job in hell somehow. They didn't have to do their own personal hell thing. Uh, yeah, I guess having a permanent uh, desk job in hell is worse. You think it's worse? Well, mm, I don't know. Because these characters' personal hells are like 100% derived from what they fear and hate the most while these guys just have a shitty office job they have to work at so no it's not worse forget i said that <laughs> well yeah it these uh these personal hells are really not a problem <laughs> the, these personal <laughs> hells um like one of them is santa just he's doing what he actually likes to do He's just in a room with a baby, and he hates babies. Um, and <laughs> and he can't kill it because it keeps uh, respawning out the present shoot. Yeah, and Grandpa Stinky's hell is he's in like a cooking show, which is, I think, what he wants to do. It's just that his uh, his granddaughter girl Stinky is there, being more of the star of the show, and he gets jealous about that. He's kind of uh, playing second fiddle to her. In in terms of what you can do to someone in hell, theoretically, these are just not that bad. They're <laughs> just things. kind of annoying. They're really just kind of annoying. They're not even Bosco's, in that much physical pain. Yeah, Bosco's on stage naked, but you later find out that the naked part was just him. It wasn't part of the torture. Yeah, he just doesn't like being watched, uh, but he, him being naked is fine. Yeah, that was his, his choice he made. Uh, so... There's five of the shoeboxes that you have access to. It's Santa Claus, Santa Claus's number one elf, uh, Bosco, Grandpa Sticky, and your car. You find uh, out your car died. Yeah, and they never say how. Yeah, I I guess uh, it just kind of crapped out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a just, natural guess, death for their car. Yeah, the, the car equivalent of just a random stroke happening all of a sudden. Uh, I guess that's what happened to the DeZoto. In while you were on the Mariachi spaceship, it just kind of stopped working. You hate to see it happen, but you love to watch him go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, all five of those hells are solvable, so you can basically make it so the character in that hell is not having a bad time anymore and once you do that their spirits can leave that little shoebox you save but their you... souls basically but you don't save them from satan's ownership right you still need to wrestle their ownership back from satan uh, so once you do that uh with all five souls you can finally talk to satan where 
uh, he wants to introduce Sam and Max to his bosses, which are the soda poppers, who give their whole villain ex- explanation thing, and then fire Satan. And now this is Act Three of the of the thing, where Sam gets put in his own personal hell. Um, Sam's personal hell is the best. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just a reimagining of their of his regular life. He's at his office. He's just doing the normal stuff. He's solving cases. But instead of Max being his partner, his partner is Peepers. <laughs> and I think I, I misspoke. I, I said that this ha- uh, you're introduced to the soda poppers before this. That's not true. Uh, you seeing Peepers here is the first time you see a soda popper in the episode. Yeah. Um, I um, love this section. Me too. I remember it taking a lot longer to figure out when I f- had first played it. But this time I was very surprised just how fast I figured it out. And I didn't remember that's what you were supposed to do. It it, it just kind of clicked. Yeah, there's really only one thing to do, which is uh, you find the hole in the wall that Flint Paper shot up earlier this season. And you can see Max peering into your shoebox from the other side. And you can give Max your card key so he can enter the shoebox. And then once he does, he'll just beat up Peepers. And you don't even <laughs> need to solve anything when Max is, uh, gets there. But if you just walk around the office and just click on stuff and hear Peepers react to it, it is so funny uh, <laughs> to, to me just how uncool Peepers is and how Agreed. they've really nailed how much he sucks. When Sam says, you crack me up a little, buddy. And he says, but I didn't say anything funny. <laughs> Your peeper's voice is really, it's like really close. It's Thanks. almost, I feel like it's, it, it could fool any person. It's really, really <laughs> close. I'll have to work on it so I can fool people. <laughs> uh, all of those many peepers fans out there that are, are <laughs> just listening to hear peepers in the wild. Whenever we're in a voice chat with our friends, I'll just hop in and say, I can see you. And everyone will be like, was that Peepers from the Soda Poppers? Oh, no, it was just Dustin. (laughs) From that show, The Soda Poppers, which I know of but haven't seen because it doesn't exist. (laughs) Dustin also from The Soda Poppers. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe we're all from The Soda Poppers. I've never seen an episode of the show. It could be true. Maybe I'm in it. (laughs) That's the big twist. Um, So... (laughs) Actually, wait. It's uh, it's not the show's not called Soda Poppers. It's uh, it's called what is it called? Um. Uh, oh shoot! I don't remember. I remember more, more than jerks. More, more than, than jerks. jerks. That's it. Which uh, it gets a very funny joke later. The song. Yeah. Yeah. The the more than jerks song is. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Uh, so you you get out of the the shoebox diorama thing, then you confront the soda poppers, and then they announce their plan, which is to do a bunch of devil shit, and then they'll just be cooler because they did some devil shit. <laughs> that's <laughs> it, that's just their plan. It's a three step plan, one for each soda popper. Uh, one of them is supposed to repeat the original sin by tempting someone with the apple of truth. Um, one of them is to create a demon hell spawn by seducing a human woman. And one of them 
is to win someone's soul in a devil contest in a devil contest you know those devil (laughs) contests out there um so i i wanted i definitely want to talk more about the original sin one so what happens is um wizard takes this one and he tries to sell the apple of truth to girl stinky um and he keeps saying stuff like, uh, you know, so someone with your business acumen would know how useful it's going to be to be able to tell good from evil. Uh, which I don't know if it, it means like, okay, so if the if the original sin happened exactly as described in the Bible in the past of Sam and Max, when it would have happened in the Bible, does that mean that girl stinky just for some reason doesn't know the difference between good and evil when every other <laughs> mortal does because the apple was taken and like what are, what are the implications of that why would why would that happen why why would well, that be well she's a cake so maybe she was never taught that's true but even when um she gets turned back into a cake at this time and mm-hmm. then wizard is like whoa well anyway hey grandpa stinky do you want this apple and then grandpa stinky is actually kind of tempted by it um so something happened there where where he's able to be convinced of it too right well it's not an apple it's uh wine it's like some sort of drink he's pushing for them to carry at the diner well, it's a cider. It's the yeah, apple cider. cider. That's right. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's, it is the apple, but it's it's distilled into a beverage. It's metaphorically the apple, even if it's a drink. I don't know if it's metaphorically the apple when it's when it is the apple. It's just a it's a juice. It's a different form of the apple. Yeah, I guess that goes into just the semantics of what we call apple juice. Is that apples? <laughs> I guess it's it's an apple uh, product. It's an apple esque drink. Yeah, um, I I was drinking some apple juice the other day for the first time in years. Wow! And my my takeaway is that man, that stuff sucks. You're not a big <laughs> apple juice fan. I'm not a big apple juice fan. I I remember I used to like it, but yeah, I haven't had it in a long time. You know what kind of juice I like? Orange. Grape juice. Grape. Okay. I'm actually not a big orange juice fan. It was um, really one of the two. <laughs> yeah, people, those are kind of the only juices. <laughs> people aren't drinking too many weird juices that much anymore unless <laughs> well, I live in I live pretty close to LA, so that's actually not true <laughs> about where <laughs> I live. People are drinking all kinds of weird juices. But I'm just going with the basic juices. I like yeah, raspberry I juice. You ever have raspberry juice? Ooh, I I don't think I've ever had raspberry juice, but that sounds good. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's it's definitely I I've mostly only I don't know if I've actually had it not as a mixer to something alcoholic, but it is a good juice. Um, raspberry juice and gin is pretty good. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out for it next time I go off to the grocery store. I don't know if I've seen it in a grocery store. I've seen it mostly only in bars. Um, oh. But, but if you do see it in a grocery store, give it a, sh- give it a whirl. A whirl. A whirl. Um, so, 
Stink, Stinky explains the mechanics of the Cake of the Damned, which is that he combined a breakfast, an entree, and a dessert all into one dish like a madman. <laughs> uh, and that's the Cake of the Damned. And in order to spice it up just to that next level of being a sentient creature created by the culinary dark arts, um, you need to add an appetizer. And he added a spare rib. So that's another uh, creationist uh, motif right there. Uh, a woman created by a rib. That is that is Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, so that's that's pretty cool. That that's a, <laughs> I think that's a pretty long way to go to prove that like girl stinky, being tempted by the apple, uh, being created by a rib by the like a a lone sorcerer man. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a lot of Bible stuff in one go. They put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, it's that kind. It's this kind of thing that makes me like reanalyze the the season finale of last season where it was revealed that Hugh Bliss was the bad guy and we talked about it a lot on the show already but it has a lot of potentially homophobic implications um i i think both of us landed at the idea of the like well it wasn't intended to be that way but it does carry this this potential baggage but now yeah. it, I'm I'm looking at like all the stuff that they're able to do with the clever writing, for for um, comparing girl stinky to uh, biblical Eve, and I'm thinking like, did they really? Because they're pretty clever writers. Did they really not see that? Um, um I don't know. Maybe uh. You know, I I I still want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they just got uh, more clever as this as season two went on. Potentially, maybe, maybe season one was just meant to be a silly thing, and then season two they were like, "Okay, we we kind of got the hang of this. Let's put a little more thought into these stories." I do think they've got more clever as time's gone on. Each of these episodes feels like a a self-contained into one entire season one's worth of like cleverness and theming and uh and storytelling yeah you could have probably gotten like a whole season out of the time travel episode last time yeah the time travel episode the um i, I think the santa thing is, is like a really condensed good story uh, yeah Night, you could have Night done like Raven a whole great. you could have done like a whole season based on like holidays or something with night of the raving dead and santa but uh well they wait they did because uh because it, it's christmas i guess yeah i, I guess Ma moai better blues is, is not a holiday and neither is chariots chariots is birthdays oh right 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 it's all about birthdays but then yeah. this one isn't really yeah i guess the opposite of a birthday is your death day <laughs> And uh, it does it does do that. Um, I don't know if I'd call it a holiday, though. No, I yeah, I'm not going to celebrate it probably because I'll be dead. Yeah, everyone else is invited except me. <laughs> um, so creating the demon Hellspawn is Peeper's job. He tries to do it with Sybil. He tries to seduce Sybil, and it's very funny. Sybil's Sexy almost Peepers. into it. 
<laughs> sexy peepers is something i i had that as my aol instant messenger icon for a long time back in the day is that real yeah <laughs> re- wait really <laughs> aol instant messenger i had uh sexy peepers as my icon oh you gotta bring that back for discord that's great uh, i will uh, after this i'll change my icon to it yeah maybe i'll do one from this episode too because there's some there's some <laughs> good stuff um yeah it's like i said earlier even if there aren't like a whole lot of specific lines there's still a lot about this episode that's funny it's just more in what's happening rather than what's said yeah i don't i i i think i like this one more than um even night of the raving dead just because of how much stuff it has going on mm-hmm. um and it, it's really solid it's, it's just like a really solid sam and max episode and yeah. The the fact that it's been outdone even twice on this season alone makes it feel weird for the final episode of the season, but it's still it's still good. Um, you can you find out that Peeper's real name is Dick Peacock, <laughs> and you say that name, and then he reverts back to his true form, which is a theme this episode. If you say someone's true name, they revert to their true form. Uh, it happens with Girl Stinky whose real name is Cake of the Damned, and it happens with Peepers. Um, so you, you do that, and then Sybil sort of snaps out of it. The last one is Specs, who is trying to win a soul in a demon's contest, and he's he's picked Chippy, of all people, <laughs> which is a well, really Chippy, good way to root against Specs. Yeah, Chippy... Uh... From what I remember, Chippy's the one who stepped up to it. Chippy wanted to do it. I I think <laughs> well, uh, it was offered by Specs first. Yeah, and Chippy's like, guys, don't worry, <laughs> I got this. Yeah, the uh, if, if Chippy wins, he gets a golden fiddle, <laughs> which he cannot play because he does not have any appendages. <laughs> um, but if Specs wins. He gets Chippy's soul, and he's excited about this because this is going to be disruptive to the afterlife game because no one's taken, uh, like, an electronic appliance's soul before. This is a new mm-hmm. thing for him. Uh, <laughs> so if, if you take one of the Mime Sweeper cartridges, which are just buried underground for some reason, and you plug it into Chippy, that's got a fun song, and I guess it's good enough to, to beat Spex's fiddle playing. And yeah, I think it is. <laughs> That's a good song. Yeah, it's a really good song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, Chippy wins the the battle, and then Specs is disappointed and goes back to hell. So Chippy does not get the golden fiddle and is audibly upset about it. And <laughs> Kurt, Kurt from Cops says, uh, "Come on, you. What were you going to do with a golden fiddle?" <laughs> <laughs> which, which I really like. That was that's a funny moment. The cops just always bring it every episode. I will say this episode probably had the most difficult of the uh the pimp like car challenges. Yeah, shooting um, the rats. You can't control I... the car anymore cuz it's possessed by a demon. Mhm. So you can only con- uh control the shooting. Did you get all the decals? Yes, I did get all of them, but it was noticeably harder than all the other ones, which were all pretty easy up until this point. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But I couldn't tell if it was um, it was the game that was hard or if it was just 
this version. I'm playing on the Xbox version. Oh. And I feel I feel like the cursor is very sensitive on the Xbox version. It goes flying. Yeah, you're uh, moving the cursor around with the with the sticks, right? Yeah, so it's pretty hard to aim at those rats. Oh, okay. It was it was pretty all right with a mouse and keyboard. It was not that bad. Yeah. On PC. That makes sense. It was it was noticeably harder, but it wasn't that bad. I guess if you're going to have a hard one, it's best to have it at the last episode. Did you notice that Chariots of the Dogs just didn't have one? And it's the yeah. only episode of the season that didn't have one? It's weird that, like, so there's an achievement on the Xbox One for getting all of the car upgrades and decals. But it's weird that you get them in every episode except one. Yeah. I kind of wish they had a scene in Chariots of the Dogs where you could, like, just have the cops be somewhere and they had a game for you. But it, it's it's not a big deal. Yeah, even if it wasn't driving, just something to get a decal because the decals were in all of the episodes. Mm-hmm. It, having them on your car proves that you've, if only just to yourself, it proves that you've been around and you've been doing stuff. Yeah, it, it's just a little strange that all except one episode have them. But, you know, I, I, the scene's not like any worse for it or anything. Uh, so after thwarting all three uh, soda poppers plans to do just general devil debauchery, <laughs> you go to hell again for the last time. And then the soda poppers use the power of what they call um, the bell, the book and the candle which are they just it's just regular bells books and candles i guess it can be any book (laughs) any bell it's not important (laughs) uh to summon sam and max to this like volcanic pit which is where you find future sam and max in episode one of the season Mm, it all Uh, comes full circle that does i love this i i I think it was really well planned ahead um, mm-hmm. because they say the exact dialogue they said the first time, and then they're just gifted the uh, um, the Santa's sleigh, and they can fly out of there. And as they fly out of there, they freeze over hell, and everything that they said would happen when hell freezes over uh, throughout the season suddenly starts happening. Uh, so, like, things that have been attached to the idea of hell freezing over is Sybil asking Max to officiate her wedding. So Max answering the phone. Yeah, Max getting to the phone before Sam. Uh, <laughs> he has a good line about that. The commissioner uh, apparently says something to the effect of, wait, why didn't Sam answer the phone? And then Max just goes, I don't know. He just let me. It's weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Max got a Nobel Peace Prize, which is also something that they said would happen when hell freezes over. Um so all of those things were made good because they they did uh, serve ice cream in hell and it froze over. Things that definitely did not need to be brought full circle, but were uh, <laughs> because they are just really clever like that. And um, you get in. So it's I think it's Satan and the soda poppers having a snowball fight with each other. And while they're distracted. You use the bell from a an ice cream truck. The book that the Chamberlain corporate presence is reading, he just closes it, and then that <laughs> counts. Um, and then you get the candle, 
and put it in a tar cake, which you make out of the tar sample that you've had in this inventory for like an episode and a half. Um, fish sticks made from Mr. Spatula. So you kill Mr. Spatula for this. And ice cream, uh, which counts as all the things that it needs to be. And then that's... Um, oh, excuse me. There's a There's a doorbell happening in my life. Wow, a doorbell. Should I keep recording? I'm I'm gonna just gonna keep talking. I'm not, okay. I'm not even gonna edit it out. This is just how I'm doing it. Uh, so, <laughs> um, you you make the the cake of the dams. You put the candle in it, and then you trick them, the soda poppers, into lighting it and blowing it out because it looks like a a, a birthday cake. And you know it's their birthday because they described the embarrassing idol thing happening. As one year ago today, which is a, a hint that, like, it's their birthday and uh, they'd really like someone to celebrate their birthday. The mariachi even shows up. It's great. Uh, but then they blow out <laughs> the candles and doom themselves to falling into the volcanic pit. And that's the episode. And that's the season. Who would have guessed, huh? Who would have guessed we would have gone out with the soda poppers? Except for us who have played it before. Yeah, except for us who <laughs> uh, remembered it the whole time. And we're definitely not surprised. <laughs> um, a few things happen after that point in the episode. Satan reconfirms that Sam and Max will die soon, uh, <laughs> which is not made good on this season, but is eventually made good on, probably. Um, so <laughs> at Sybil and Abe's wedding, which happens during the credits, um, they let Sybil and Abe borrow the DeSoto for their honeymoon, which is very uncharacteristic of Sam and Max. Um, and there's like this, this question of whether they can trust the car to not kill them, uh, which I, I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then they show the soda poppers in that pit and they're like planning to get back at Sam and Max. They're, they're scheming. They're saying, you haven't seen the last of us. And then the Bermuda Triangle from episode two that collects all the lava from the volcano opens right above them and completely melts them. Just <laughs> down to nothing. They you are see absolutely eyes not coming floating back. in the lava. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's them. They're gone now. Um, a, a gruesome death, absolutely deserved for the soda poppers is there anything else with this episode you'd like to talk about because there's a lot of stuff um let me look at my notes i know there's some things we glossed over but not anything like super huge or important just little things for the puzzles but uh i like all of the little things in hell's office like uh the coffee pot never being refilled um the clock in hell always being one minute to closing forever yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just little, just little silly gags here and there. That is good. Um, I I like that a lot. I like that uh, Hugh Bliss has been put in charge of basically the FCC. He's just bleeping stuff. Um, oh, we yeah, we forgot this whole thing. This is great. Uh, yeah, you you can replace the list of actual curse words with Satan's grocery list. Uh which notably includes the word soda in it. Uh, so every time you you hear them talk about the soda poppers, it goes, it basically sounds like the, the bleep pop, uh, poppers. The song More Than Jerks, Jerks is like half censored out after that point. <laughs> it's great. 
<laughs> oh, it's great. I wonder if you can change it. Like, the reason that happens is because you don't change the uh, censored list with the grocery list back. I wonder if you can change it back before the final showdown or not. Um, because you just need it to find out Peeper's true name. You can't change it back. Okay. Not that I would want to. Because it doesn't give you the other one in your inventory. It just it puts oh, it, it over. Oh, it doesn't give... Okay, okay. Yeah. That um, makes sense. Yeah, there's 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 a whole scene we didn't talk about at Bosco's store near the end where they're watching Jurgen's monster strip and then you can feed them the cider of truth and then they realize how messed up it is that they're doing that and they just have a bad time. <laughs> and a bunch of people are there. Cute. Flint Paper, Mr. Featherly, Bosco, um it it's for the head of Abraham Lincoln's statue's bachelor party. Jimmy uh, Two Teeth. Jimmy Two Teeth is friends with Abraham Lincoln, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Jimmy Two Teeth's son dies in this episode. Yeah, and you make not him for go too to hell. Long. Yeah, not for too long. He's brought back, but still. Yeah, he hangs out with a bunch of uh, rats watching the stinky cooking show. And... Yeah, for being sent to hell, he's not really having that bad a time. He's just watching it like, oh, I love this show. Yeah, he's he's excited about it. I really like that the every time they show a bunch of rats, there's still some skin bodies, even though that was yeah. like episode three <laughs> of season one. Yeah, they're either still with the skin bodies or they just liked the uh, the look and feel. Yeah, they're they're like gradually thinning out of the rat population, but they're not gone yet. They're just yeah, they're just sort of slowly removing themselves. <laughs> and that's what leads to the cops game because not only did you release those rats but you released every other rat in hell including the ones that were supposed to stay there yeah oh there's a, so the mime sweeper cartridges under this uh the town uh sam makes a comment about how he heard a rumor that there were a bunch of old video game cartridges buried down here but he thought it was in the desert this was like seven years before the actual confirmation of the real world rumor that's based on, which is the E.T. Uh, Atari 2600 cartridges that were buried, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them, buried in Arizona or New Mexico, one of the two, um, because they couldn't sell enough of them. It was like a huge secret for, for decades and this is referencing that even seven years before it was confirmed to be real. So at I think this point, it was just funny. kind of an uh, urban legend, right? Yeah, it was just an urban legend, but like people in... still talked about it. Yeah, because there was there was really no way anyone was going to find them accidentally. People had to look for those cartridges, and that's <laughs> because um, they were caked over with concrete, like ten feet of it. Right. They weren't just buried; they were, they were entombed. They in were the actively locked away. Yeah, I always wanted to to go there and dig up a cartridge, but uh, I, I I don't think it's possible. I don't think they let people do that anymore because the uh, the state government was pretty mad at them for taking all that time <laughs> to dig it up, and they didn't even get all of it out of there. They should they should be happy. You want to help them? Help them get rid of them. Yeah, but it, it's like a lot of construction work that needs being done because it's oh. it's just so much concrete and it, it messes with the, the land. That's true. Well, Mitch, I'm sorry. 
Maybe someday you'll get your dream. It's okay. I bought a cartridge of E.T. at the store, and I pretend. (laughs) I do a pretend about it. I'll just hit this with a hammer a couple times and pretend it's been buried underground. Uh, yeah, that's that's my that's my move. Uh, <laughs> that's basically what I've got. I'm ready to jump into segments if you are. One other gag I liked in this episode is uh, we find out that uh, so Timmy Two Teeth has his Tourette's, but we find out that uh, none of the words that are bleeped out are actual swear words because you block yeah. the the poster of words to bleep out. All of Jimmy or Timmy Two Teeth's dialogue is unbleeped, but that's fine. He just says stuff like, uh, I'm having a really uh, heckin' great time. He doesn't say that, but it's similar yeah. to that. He says, like, freaking sweet, like uh, Peter Griffin <laughs> does. He says it His that hero. Way. His hero, <laughs> Peter Griffin. <laughs> uh, anything else? No, that's about it. Uh, so let's jump into our segments first, as always, is linguistic gymnastics. Uh, Dustin, I've got like two lines. I really I've don't got have a, much. I've got a few. I think I have a few more than you, but you go first. Um, so when Sam finds out that Stinky's been a cake, uh, he says, Stinky's the last person I would have thought was secretly a cake. Uh, I missed that line. Others, which is good. I miss that's a very good line. I would have put that down had I gotten that line. Uh <laughs> uh Sybil's planning her wedding with with Abe. So if you go there, she's got like a bunch of wedding stuff. If you click on the the cake samples, uh Sam goes, "Cake at a wedding." Okay. <laughs> I had uh, that one written down too. Oh, sorry. Uh, and there. Oh, I sorry. I have one more, and that's uh, down on the straight and narrow. Uh, a bunch of mole men are just there doing tunnels and stuff. And one of them, uh, if you start to talk to him, uh, Sam goes like, "Hey, have you seen?" And then he gets cut off like mid sentence, and the mole man goes, "Who we? Yous really know how to fill out a suit." <laughs> and, <laughs> and then Sam goes. What? What? <laughs> and that's like the whole conversation. I think the exact line is uh Sam says, "Well, I never." <laughs> you really know how to fill out a suit. Uh, <laughs> then I like his voice a lot. Uh and that's it. That's what well, I Well, those are those are very good lines. <laughs> um Yeah, I guess I had a couple um one is when uh, Sybil tells Sam and Max that uh, she and Abe are getting married. And Sam responds with, uh, congrats, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, that perfectly sums up my feelings towards uh, Abe Lincoln. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> it's cool that Sybil's happy, but it's not that cool. <laughs> congrats, I guess. <laughs> um, Let's see. Oh, uh, the next one is when you're in Bosco's personal hell, and I think it I think it's when you talk to Demon Mama Bosco. Uh, she says, I'm watching Bosco suffer eternally. Isn't it great? And Sam says, eh, you know, it, it's OK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Um. Oh, uh, one is when. Uh, Timmy Two Teeth dies, 
and you and you uh, look at him. Sam says he's in a better place. Just kidding. He's in hell. Yeah, that's, that's good. <laughs> and I think the last one uh, made me laugh. It, it's not the. Oh no, this one's funny. Uh, it's during the bachelor party. Uh, you know when everyone's drunk and having a great time, and you talk to Mister Featherly, who's just absolutely losing. It. He's the least good at holding his uh, alcohol. Uh, I forget what Sam says to him to start it, but Mr. Featherly's getting real mean. He says, shut up! You don't know my world! I I, I clocked that as being something that Dustin would like. <laughs> I like the idea of, of a talking chicken having, having a world that's dark. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's all I got. It. That's what Jurgen likes about him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> now I see it. Now I get it. Yeah, uh, not yeah, so that's many all lines. my lines. Yeah, I think it's okay just because uh, this episode had so much else going for it. I would have liked some funnier lines, and I think that's why I put it below uh, the other episodes. Um, I also feel like Chariots of the Dogs just raised the bar so high for me that this episode kind of feels... I don't want to call it a disappointment, but it does feel lesser. It, it kind of feels like, well, we played the best part of the season. Now we have this episode, which is yeah. still good. I, I don't want to sound... It's definitely no Moai Better Blues. It's just that this whole season, except for that one episode, are so good that I, I guess I just have to put one of them below the others. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. I think that I like this one more than Night of the Raving Dead. I would put Night of the Raving Dead below it, probably. Um, I don't know if I I would. I think Night of the Raving Dead just had so much going for it, but so did this episode. So it's it's kind of hard. I think I put them about next to each other. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, okay, so our second segment is Potent Pickups. Uh, what is yours? Why don't you go first since I went first last? No, you went first last time. It's my turn to go first. Okay. Um, don't need to get this one weird about it. <laughs> just go for this, it. Did you notice? First of all, this isn't my potent pickup, but did you notice that you just have? Oh wait, no, never mind. I totally forgot that you used the AI from the ship to bring the Mametron back to life. Yeah. I was just about to say, did you notice that you? keep the ship's AI and you don't do anything with it, but I'm glad I didn't say it because that's wrong. That's incorrect. Um, I like that you bring the Mametron back, but that's not a potent pickup. My potent pickup this week is the grocery list. That's because, a good one, yeah. Yeah, just because you get so much out of the results out of it. It, it bleeps the Soda Poppers song. It bleeps the Soda Poppers name. Uh, it unbleeps Timmy Two Teeth. It it just ch- totally changes around the world. <laughs> it does. Um, I I like that one a lot. I I think that might be where uh, I have it between that. No, I'm not going to do that. I I think the one I like the most is the spare ribs, which you get from uh, Jurgen's monster. In his case, they're literally extra ribs that you can <laughs> just cut off him with a, a bone saw. Um, also the bone saw is pretty good. If you use the bone saw just on a bunch of different stuff, um, 
Sam says, <laughs> Sam, Sam says, uh, I don't like to use bone saws on things that aren't bones. I'm a bone saw purist, <laughs> uh, which is a good line. That's a good line. Uh, but the, the ribs just being able to create girl stinky as the original sin creation is uh, pretty good. That's, that's, that's a pretty good. funny situation. I totally missed the bone saw the first time because you get the bone saw in Sam's personal hell. But I solved the puzzle so quickly that I didn't give myself time to look around the room and find stuff to get. So for the longest time, uh, I have hints on at the lowest uh, amount. But, you know, if you're still wandering around trying to do something, they'll still give you a hint. So Sam brought up the bone saw and I was like, what the a bone saw? And so I was just looking around everywhere for it until at first I thought it was... uh, you know, when you go into Santa's personal hell, they still have the uh, Torture Me Elmer dolls, and you see saws with them, so I was like, oh, I guess that's where I get the saw. Nope, that's not it, but then I noticed uh, you could go back into Sam's personal hell, and then I got the bone saw, and that's the end of that story. Good story. Thanks. Um, <laughs> who's your guy of the week? The weekly guy. Weekly guy. You know what? My This took some thinking. I kind of had it down to two picks. But I think given this episode and given this is the only time I'll ever say this, my weekly guy is the soda poppers. Okay. <laughs> I think the soda poppers... I, I think poppers, that's fine only this time. <laughs> yes, only, only in this episode. But I think the twist with them is great. I love the reason they're the villains of this episode. And they just have a lot of funny moments. Like... Uh, demon peepers and Sam's personal hell. Uh, peepers in general in this episode is great, like trying to uh, seduce Sybil. Uh, and then Wizard has some good lines in the in uh, Stinky's diner. I think Specs is probably the weakest of the three, but I do like the joke where he has the more uh, in depth costume of the three. Yeah, that's good. He's got like nipple spikes. <laughs> yeah, he went all out with the uh, S and M look, while the other <laughs> two just kind of have flames on their regular soda poppers clothes i think it's kind of a cool look for him i think the flames and the yeah. black bring a lot to it yeah for sure <laughs> yeah uh, so for the only time ever my weekly guy is the soda poppers it's interesting that you say that because i also have my weekly guy is is split between two choices uh and i really can't decide um I'm going to flip a coin live on air. Let's do it. Awesome. I can't wait to see the results. Okay. So the the first option is head. Second option is tails. Flip it. I dropped it. Hang on. <laughs> I did a bad flip. Okay. That's okay. Here we go. God damn it. Okay. New coin. Here you we people go. listening get to experience this. Okay. It's tails. So I'm going to do the second one I have written down. Which is Chippy. Uh, That's Ch- a very good choice. Chippy's my weekly guy this this week. Uh, Chippy really, really wanted to challenge the devil for a golden fiddle he cannot play. And uh, <laughs> Chippy, Chippy is also just a stealth favorite character of the entire series for me. <laughs> uh, maybe of all like the cartoon and the comics and hit the road and the telltale games chippy's just up there like really Chippy, high. chippy's in like would you say he's in the top five and all of sam and max yeah yeah for sure wow <laughs> i love <laughs> chippy <laughs> uh chippy's great and 
This is kind of the one time he gets to really stand out because, you know, obviously he doesn't talk. So his gags are kind of more uh, low key, I want to say. But this episode is Chippy's real time to shine. I, I love the I, I don't actually remember Chippy doing it in this episode, but other times uh, when you succeed in playing one of the cops's games, uh, the phone one, Bob will say, it looks like you've won. And then Chippy will do the that same like triumphant little song it does, <laughs> and then <laughs> just completely shut up after that. Uh, Ch- Chippy's great. I love Chippy. The other one I had, uh, which I'll tell you about, but I won't submit it officially, was um, not the soda poppers, but just peepers and just <laughs> demon peepers. From Sam's personal hell. He's pretty great. Yeah, not the real peepers. I'm the real peepers is is actually fine this episode too, but specifically demon peepers from Sam's personal hell. (laughs) But I feel good about locking in Chippy. Um, I think so too. Do you have a a great choice? Do you have a weekly unguy? I don't really have a weekly unguy. I I feel like this episode was. it, this episode had a lot of characters, but it's hard to say who a weekly unguy would be just because the characters who need to be main characters are kept at the front. And I don't think any of them really do anything bad this episode. Um, I guess... I don't know. I was thinking maybe Brady Culture, but no, I liked seeing Brady Culture again, and he's so happy to be here. He's having yeah. a successful life in hell. I think my weekly on guy might be Hugh Bliss, because they've gotten rid of so much of Hugh Bliss's personality in his appearance this episode. Um, it, it, it feels a lot weaker than it should be to see the main villain, like the biggest villain Sam and Max have ever fought up to this point in their lives. Mm. Um, makes a comeback and it's just sort of whatever. He, I I kind of like that though. I like that he's, he he yeah. even forgives you. You apologize <laughs> for killing him and he says it happens. Yeah, it, it does happen. Uh, once at least. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's my. Do, you don't have anyone. I I, I, don't, I almost I don't, don't have can, anyone. If it's not, I don't think I can say a weekly. No, you know who I'll say is a week is the weekly young guy is uh Santa's elf. In yeah. his personal hell. Because yeah. I don't like his teeth. I don't like that character. <laughs> <laughs> I think the character's fine. I just don't like looking at him because I don't like his teeth. Yeah. He looks like a weird monster. Um, so that's been our episode, y'all. We've been uh happy to have you listening. And we've been happy to have you throughout the, the last four games we've played. Sam and Max season one, Telltale Texas Hold'em, the the two bone games. I guess that's five games, and uh, Sam and Max season two. Like that, we we've been happy to have you the whole time. Speaking of those games and our schedule, uh, Dustin, would you like to do the honors and tell the audience what we'll be playing next? So next up on Telling the Tale podcast, starring Mitchell and Dustin, is Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. That's right. We'll be doing all five episodes in our our normal uh, one episode per week schedule for Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People, starting, of course, with episode one, Homestar Ruiner, starting 
uh, next week for you, it'll be a little bit further in the future for us because um, we record these a little out of schedule. Don't tell the the audience, audience. This is just between you and us. Yeah, this is just between you and us. Don't go telling everyone else that we record these a little weird. We're not going to trust you with secrets anymore if you keep blabbing them. You know what? I think you, I wish I didn't tell you already. (laughs) You guys are untrustworthy. (laughs) Uh, But I'm really excited to play Strong Bad. We'll get uh, into it on the episode, but... Um, Homestar Runner was like one of my biggest fandoms growing up. Uh, I, I just love it so much. So playing the one major Homestar Runner video game, actually, I don't, I don't, I would not consider that to be the case. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stinko Man is pretty w- well featured out. It's a pretty big game. And Thy Dungeon Man, I guess there's a lot of Homestar video games. But this is the the big major release of Homestar Video Games. I'm excited yeah. to get to it on the show. We'll have a lot of... Uh, it'll be the opposite of Bone, where we'll have a lot of back history to talk about. Because I know you watch a lot of Homestar too. Yeah. Uh, I think we're both pretty big Homestar fans. Uh, which is weird because I have not played beyond episode one of Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People. And I have no idea why. Wow. Um. Yeah, I don't know why I just never played the rest. Um, the last but I'm very few excited. Se- or the last few episodes of this season are, uh, I really like them. Is is just what I'll say ahead of time. Uh, until then, Dustin, where can people find you? You know what? I think the people out there can find me on Twitter and Instagram at amazing DJ Dustin, and that's spelled how it sounds. And you can find me on Twitter and not Instagram at the Wolf FM. That's at T H E W O L F E F M. And until next time, see you later. So long, goodbye.